Take control and keep control of tough weeds with the easy-to-use liquid formulation of Chateau EZ herbicide. Chateau EZ controls more than 90 annual broadleaf and grass weeds in orchards and vineyards. Visit valent.com slash Chateau EZ. Always read and follow label instructions. As a disclaimer, views expressed in interviews are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent those of My Ag Life, JCS Marketing, and its employees. Welcome to My Ag Life, where we cover your world in agriculture. This podcast is powered by the top publications in the industry, West Coast Nut, Progressive Crop Consultant, and Organic Farmer Magazine. Here is your host, Taylor Chalstrom. Hi, welcome to My Ag Life. Today we're talking with Aubrey Betancourt, Almond Alliance President and CEO about new opportunities for almond growers, including a pollinator initiative and the state's Landflex water program. Welcome back to the show, Aubrey. Of course. Nice to be here, Taylor. Yeah, great to have you here. Aubrey, one great opportunity for almond growers that recently came to fruition is the Almond Alliance's new pollinator initiative, this Pollinator Alliance, which really aims to develop native plant and seed supplies and make them more easily accessible uh, to growers. Can you kind of explain the program a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it is no secret almonds and and the almond community and industry are friends of the bees. Um, We have to be as the largest uh, customer of commercial honeybees in North America. um, Our community and industry has really leaned into pollinator health and habitat development and bee friendly farming. You see that throughout our, our market and throughout our consumer base, everything from our customer on the ground up through our food products and partners and haulers and shellers and and processors all through. So as we looked at it from our perspective, and the Almond Alliance has had a long record, even prior to my coming on board, of uh, really uh, being a champion for pollinator habitat health and development in California, both in sponsoring legislation with uh, Assemblymember Villapudois and also championing the budget, um, $15 million in the governor's budget over the last year, uh, in the development of the pollinator habitat program at CDFA, we felt that it was only right to fill out full circle and to develop a farmer to farmer solution for uh, expanding and continuing to encourage bee friendly practices and habitat development that we know supports these pollinators, primes our own honeybees and, uh, and, and creates that really amazing symbiotic relationship for a healthy ecosystem and sustainable development. Uh, so we partnered with this amazing group called Great Valley Seeds, um, actually owned and managed and part of a larger farming company and, and community and family out of the Hispanos area where they're developing native seed stock for the central San Joaquin Valley. We worked with them early on and said, listen, we have farmers that want to put more habitat in. We believe that there's more habitat practices that we need to develop out. And it was this really amazing partnership and, and kind of merger of the minds around developing native seed stock and custom seed mixes specific to almond orchards, specific to their region, and then uh, doing all of the technical analysis and assistance to almost make it like a package deal to the farmer. And knowing that there was habitat dollars coming through the pike and understanding how to help farmers get access to some of the resources available for them to do this, by partnering with Great Valley Seeds, not only could we develop the seed stock by farmers, for farmers, we could also provide the on-farm assistance in the development of the different practices, hedgerows, cover crops, strips. And we're now even nexusing into the policy side where we're actually coming up with new pollinator habitat practices and uh, and techniques and working with NRCS and others to even update 
their regs to acknowledge some of the new practices that we're starting to see even better results on for our farms as well as for our pollinator species. So it's kind of bringing those resources to bear through uh, pollinatoralliance.farm, which is an initiative of the Almond Alliance uh, with Great Valley Seeds to help our farmers not only get access to the resources dollars wise from state and federal funds, but also access to the actual seeds the technical assistance for the design and layout very specific to their own location and try to make it as easy as possible for our farmers to implement these practices that they want to and that the market is asking us for. Certainly. And as you've kind of laid out, alluded to, you know, pollination really is top of mind for many growers these days. I mean, it's a top two um, input in terms of cost. Um, so, you know, I mean, how can a program like this, you know, continue to accelerate what the industry already knows about the success of the grower pollinator relationship, you know, how can we continue to make it better for our pollinators and, and, you know, keep us in the mix? Well, I think first of all, by making it easy, um, making it really easy for the farmer to take advantage of this. So the nice thing about being the Almond Alliance, which had its roots in the hullers and shellers uh, of California uh, in the almond sector is we instantly network with them. So our different haulers and shellers who are looking for that value add, who are looking to help their farmers develop more bee-friendly farming, we now provide a clearinghouse that they can plug into, that their farmers can plug into, that is that one-stop shopping from a financial, a technical assistance in design, and even the seed stock itself. Farmers know how to grow things. Sometimes it's just looking at their property and saying, we need to... Uh, you know, based on your location, based on your basin, based on where you're at, this is going to be the maximum uh, benefit. And by being able to customize using native seeds, this is where actually working with CDFA and others in the pollinator partnership, who we also work with and are a member of, it's really critical for us to uh, continue to develop these native seed stocks, not just for our bees, but even for our Western monarch. Um, and it's really, you know, important for us as, as, not even, you know, I, I come from the regulatory and policy space. We have a really good story to tell. We've been volunteering into this space. Our consumer wants this. We want this. We have seen the science that demonstrates that the development of habitat on working farms actually is supporting native pollinator health. It is so important for us then at the Almond Alliance to be able to aggregate that data, package it, collect it, and be able to communicate that back to the regulatory and policy space because we do have a good story to tell. And that helps better inform the regulatory space that allows us to keep farming and encourages us and creates an environment that allows us to continue to invest in these sustainable practices that support both the ecosystem and the economy. Fantastic. We're going to be right back after a word from our sponsors. Control weeds from the start with the easy-to-use liquid formulation of Chateau EZ herbicide. Chateau EZ controls more than 90 annual broadleaf and grass weeds in orchards and vineyards, including mare's tail, fleabane, mallow, and more. Take control and keep control of tough weeds with the proven pre-emergence performance of Chateau EZ herbicide, now an easy-to-use liquid formulation. Talk to your PCA or visit valent.com slash Chateau EZ. Always read and follow label instructions. Hi, we're back talking with Aubrey Betancourt, Almond Alliance President and CEO, about new opportunities for almond growers, including a pollinator initiative and the state's Landflex water program. So, Aubrey, I do want to get into this new program called Landflex Almond Alliance is part of this collaborative effort with the state's Department of Water Resources, uh, as well as some other ag entities um, on this program, Landflex, which really looks to address groundwater sustainability in particularly vulnerable areas, a, a hot button topic. It has been for the last 
you know, six, seven years ever since Sigma was put into place. I mean, how does it look to address those issues in those vulnerable areas? So LandFlex is truly a, a new tool in the toolkit, something I think in the water space we've been desperate to have. And it's been truly driven from the ground up, working with Department of Water Resources, who um, I cannot speak more highly of the leadership at that department, uh, Director Namath and her team, um, both on her administrative side as well as on her Sigma team side, Paul Gosselin. I'm sure these are names that many people know. Um, and if you don't, they're champions um, and they're true water wielders and water warriors. And they were looking to work with anyone in industry who could help them do two things, but predominantly and first and foremost was how to provide new tools to address immediate drought relief and drought resilience especially for those rural communities. Well, where is it, you know, where are we in rural communities? Farmers are right there. And that's something that you've heard from the Almond Alliance from the get-go, which is we take responsibility for our industry and community, but we take responsibility for the communities we live and work in as well. And we see ourselves as symbiotic. So that was kind of the birth of Landflex, was saying we need a new tool and we need it driven from the ground up and it needs to be focused on wet water, not dry land. So the idea behind Landflex is really twofold. It's an immediate drought response to stop the bleed of overdrafting the aquifer in the middle of a drought cycle to protect rural and domestic wells and water systems in our underrepresented communities. So farmers and property and farmland that is closest to uh, rural water systems mm -hmm. who are in critically overdrafted basins get priority in the application of the process. The second tool that Landflex provides is a longer term financial uh, security and regulatory certainty for groundwater, uh, for Sigma compliance, basically, because it is predicated on the state purchasing and retiring the overdraft credit in critically overdrafted basins. So the farmer can say, I am willing to volunteer to in a temporary contract with the state to sell my overdraft credit or sell an overdraft water credit, it will be retired. So now I'm I'm one step closer to Sigma compliance. And if I choose to follow my ground, I can sell at another rate my sustainable yield, which has been established by my GSA. And the state will then also help cover the offset costs for transitioning that land. So if you're pulling an orchard or a vine or any other um, uh, permanent crop, or if you're pulling dairy feed, it'll pick up the offset for the dairy uh, uh, new feed costs. Or if it's a row crop, it'll pick up the transition costs. That's a one-time cost. But this is really predicated and really unprecedented that it is focusing on those two things and that amazing nexus of a new tool in the toolkit that is about putting wet water in the ground based on the actual amount of water that is demanded and used that immediately addresses the issue of protecting those shallow wells and domestic and rural watersheds while simultaneously providing the farmer and the GSA a new tool in their toolkit to begin working towards instant uh, groundwater sustainability and, and overall uh, basin sustainability as well. It sounds like a fantastic program and a, and a great step towards what we're all really striving for at the end of the day, that that compliance and just being more secure in our water. And as if the Almond Alliance hasn't been busy enough, um, you guys attended the uh, 50th Almond Conference last week in Sacramento and spoke to, I'm sure, many almond growers and others within the industry. Uh, I'm curious, though, from maybe some of the conversations that you likely had with attendees there, what were what were some particularly important things that you might have heard, some some consensuses even? 
Sure. Well, hey, look, um, we're, no one's going to rose color glass this. First of all, it was a wonderful conference. Um, I overall, I heard overwhelming um, uh, praise for how well the conference was put together, how intentional the information that was conveyed, mm -hmm. the tone that was set. So kudos to the Almond Board uh, and their leadership, uh, um, their new chairwoman, Alexi. She did a fantastic job. Uh, really, I think, demonstrating new leadership as there's been some new leadership there. And, and, and it set a wonderful tone and it was wonderful to be there to support and to participate. So thank you to them. Uh, but I would say overall, the tone that I received is, um, you know, you know, that old phrase, right? When you're going through hell, you just keep on going. And what I walked away from and was so encouraged by, because I was really worried about it. I, I mean, speaking just candidly with you, Taylor, I wanted to go into Almond Conference and listen. I wanted to know and I really wanted to hear where is the heart of the mindset of our community and our industry? Because that was going to tell me how much we were willing to do and how much are we, you know, where are we set and where are our priorities? And so um, what I was so stunned, but maybe I shouldn't be, this community continues to be sophisticated and brilliant. And uh, the tone that I got out of every conversation I had was, yep, it's awful, but we know how to get through it. And we're going to keep going through it. So this sense of determination from the almond community and industry was really remarkable. Um, it, it Again, it wasn't sugarcoating. It wasn't blowing smoke. Everybody was totally aware of where the price is at, what's going on with shipping, what's happening with the global markets, what's happening with water, what's happening with inputs. But we're looking for solution and looking for kind of like we just talked about with Landflex and some of these other things. OK, what are our paths forward and how do we choose what that is? and start adjusting our industry and our market and our world so that we can survive this and even be stronger on the other side of it. So I was so encouraged. And I heard that from across the board, whether I was talking to farmers themselves or support industries and allied industries and communities, it really was encouraging. Certainly. I mean, and you you hit it on the money there. There was there was no sugarcoating anything. I mean, even um, Almond Board CEO uh, Richard Waycott was not sugarcoating anything, but they, it was encouraging. Um, about everything else that was said. And you are correct. The industry continues to be resilient and, and shows that year after year that they're willing to stay in it um, and keep up, you know, the state's uh, really one of the most lucrative specialty crops that we have. Um, and, and looking um, forward, Aubrey, you know, I'm curious what else growers and industry, um, hopefully some good news can expect to hear uh, maybe out of Almond Alliance or other entities as we enter 2023 and really a new growing season here. Yeah, well, you know, we're growing along with our industry and with our community. Um, and the Almond Alliance is definitely growing. So we recently hired, I think it's been, just been about a month or so, our new vice president, uh, Sarah Arsenault. She is working diligently and, I mean, daily setting up shop and being present on behalf of Almond. So now we can be in more places at once. Uh, so when I'm talking to you, she's talking to members of Congress and she is laying out her team uh, now as well. So I, my hope is you're going to hear more from us about the expansion of the Almond Alliance and the team so that our presence is more permanent and established and consistent, both in Sacramento and in Washington, D.C. We're focusing in on a couple of priority areas, places where we can lead. We have to be focused. We can't lead on everything, but there's certain things that, that are going to take precedent for us. Still at the top of our of our priority list is supply chain, but I'm now going to dovetail that into the trade component. We now really need to be focused on where these markets are, where are their new markets, are there new opportunities to move product and get product moving 
um, off market into places so we can start right sizing and moving that 836 million pounds we have in carry-in. So um, we look at that as a challenge every morning. And we were joking around last night that we get up and bench press that just to start our day. Like, okay, we got 800 pounds, you know, 800 million pounds, we got to go. So we're looking at things that are creative for us. We're looking at WIC. We're looking at USAID, the Food for Peace program. We're continuing to work with USDA to expand out that Section 32. And I want school lunches. I am going after the school lunch program, both at the state and federal level. I think this continues on that macro theme that we started with earlier in the year, that almonds aren't just a specialty crop. They are the specialty crop. And because we are a stable shelf, stable protein, we should be treated as a stable and staple priority commodity globally. So we continue to push this narrative in the policy space and demonstrating that in the nutrition space. So that's why we're going to focus in that nutrition is starting to take a higher priority. And that totally is dovetailing into that trade component. So they're kind of one and two right there. Water supply is still a huge issue for us. Developing these tools for regulatory certainty, continuing to work with the state to refine land flex and to scale it out to our other basins, as well as Looking at, I want to go after water recharge. I think we have a lot of opportunity in that space. And we're hearing more from our friends on the federal level as the Water Infrastructure Investment for the Nation Act is coming up for reauthorization. We're looking at the WIN Act. We watched WERDA, which is partnering with our friends at the Army Corps of Engineers to develop that flexibility in the operations of our water supply. And that brings us into Farm Bill. Farm Bill, you know, everybody kind of looks at Farm Bill and says, that's, oh, that's, you know, that's not a California thing. It's not a specialty crop thing. But we've been it kind of slowly but surely taking a bigger piece of Farm Bill. And there's certain sections of Farm Bill that really are important for us. And even if you don't get them through Farm Bill, it's important to know that when you introduce something into the Farm Bill, that lets it be alive. And now you can start moving it into other vehicles, whether that's appropriations or something else. So there's certain concepts we want to introduce in there. Again, nutrition, trade, map funding, uh, expanding those opportunities there. Also, the conservation piece, a lot of people don't know. There's a program called PL566. NRCS can build regional water infrastructure, which we critically need in a changing climate for regional water supply security. So you can kind of see where we're still hitting our macros. Supply chain and trade, nutrition is going to be a big piece. Water is still a big piece. We have a lot of little kind of nitpicky things underneath there that we believe brings absolute value back to our farmers on the ground and investment for us. Another kind of, I don't want to call it an outlier, but it dovetails back into our previous conversation around pollinator alliance, but the Endangered Species Act listing of the four native pollinators, that's something that we actually are engaged in. Um, Thinking of it more in terms of how can we come to a good working relationship with the state to truly protect our pollinators. So really maximizing that process with the state as they continue to do their review of the species, working with our own science team that we've assembled, Uh, and our own legal team that we've assembled to really get creative because we don't want to see the incredible investment that our farmers are making without a regulatory burden to all of a sudden be a risk to them and their viability. And there is a concern for us as an almond alliance and as an almond industry that listing those species and, and depending on how they're listed and what that means for implementation of the protection, that that might actually have a reverse effect and a negative effect and dis incentivize the good behavior our farmers have already voluntarily been doing by providing more habitat and stimulating, um, you know, pollinator health. So that actually is, you know, pollinators are becoming an even bigger component of our portfolio. I'm so excited about the expanding team and the growth of our team and our membership because that lets us take on more. There's so much we can do. 
Um, again, it's staying focused, what's the most important for our members, but um, this is what they're telling us when we talk to them, when we survey our members, when we work with our boards and our committees. Uh, and uh, you've heard me say it more times than most, if you don't like what we're doing, you better call us because we'll course correct. Um, we're here to serve our community and be an advocate for them in those halls in Washington and Sacramento. Well, that's just fantastic, Arby. I mean, certainly just so many opportunities uh, to look forward to, you know, after such an unfortunate year for the industry, there's there's so much on the horizon for the industry um, that's really going to help to turn everything around. Um, and and everyone needs to know about it. And so that's why that's why we record these things. That's why we get this information out there. And as always, we appreciate you being here today. Likewise, Taylor, if anybody wants to know more, please visit almondalliance.org uh, and we'll be rolling out more there. Become a member and you can find out more as we continue to release more. And thank you so much for the time. Fantastic. This is Taylor Charleston from My Ag Life. Thank you for listening. Subscribe for updates, exclusive content, and more at myaglife.com.